Welcome to 50 Years of Rainbow Activism, a podcast about change, love, resilience and the LGBTQI plus community in Scotland. My name's Dom and supported by Pink Saltire and Our Story Scotland. I spent a month travelling around the country interviewing members of the LGBTQI plus community who are aged over 50. In sharing their stories here, we want to celebrate what our community enjoyed today, reflect on what it was once like to be LGBTQI plus in Scotland, and now what it's like to be seen as a community elder. In this episode, you get to hear from Emma. First, how she identifies. I'm not really comfortable referring to myself as a trans woman. I did identify as a transsexual woman, um, TV programme um, because I think there's a lot of confusion between the way the law is written around transsexual people and people think well transgender people are not the same or, or you know trans people are not the same and I'm like it was just a language shift so I think it's important to always acknowledge there was a shift in language in the same way that you know most gay people don't call themselves homosexual anymore most trans people don't call themselves transsexual anymore there is still people that will use that as their identity and that's fine, that's okay then. But the majority of people I see um, in my community will describe themselves either as trans male, trans female, you know, non-binary. They won't use transsexual as a word. I also identify as a lesbian, which I kind of fell into by default. Like it just happened accidentally. I'd always been attracted to women, so suddenly I was a woman that meant I was a lesbian. Didn't even have to think about that one or caboot, it just like, oh, okay. Emma talks about growing up in an all too familiar cis normative world, the impact on her mental health, and shares her thoughts on the LGBTQI community. It makes me think because somebody was asking me last night about what I knew and I went. I just didn't have words, I didn't have any words to describe. Like I was, it was just feeling different. And people knowing you were different, but no liking the fact you were different. Um, and no having words to describe that. And I guess then going on, you know, for quite a number of years, believing myself to be a guy that just got stressed because I had no other words to figure out anything else. But that kind of takes us on to the next bit of the story anyway. Um, I guess, like everybody else, I knew I grew up in a very traditional family. Neither my mum or dad were particularly religious. But my dad was very bigoted, you know, very staunch ranger supporter and didn't like Catholics because Catholics were Celtic supporters, they're not this kind of rubbish. Anything, anything out of the ordinary, you know, gay people on the teller, but turn that stuff off, you know, you know, so you were really brought up that anything outside of the, the heteronormative societal view was frowned upon and, and it wasn't acceptable. 
which I think a lot of us experienced at that time or not. So I, I, I did end up going on um, Metalassi, I think, when I was 20. And we got married four years later. Had two kids. Continued to grow stress all the way through it. Continually got fired out, continually had arguments. I was referred to see a psychologist when I was 21. Doctors referred us to see this psychologist. Um, I think it was part of Gartney building Glasgow at the time. And I sat with a psychologist and explained stuff. And it's like, you know, that there obviously was trans people but in that age, you know. Maybe a lot fewer, certainly fewer public cases um, than there is now, but trans people still existed. But it was like you were going to see medical people, and that was never, it was never one of the options. It was never said, Oh, do you think you might be, you know? I went through my marriage for nearly 20 years, and then I, I kind of I reached a point, I still remember I walked out. The, the family home one day and I said I've no fucking idea who I am and I came back and I then I had my first thoughts around suicide I stayed up in a growth at that point in time uh, and I went down one night to the, the cliffs in a growth and ten minutes to myself up I was like I don't know what to do, can I deal with this anywhere? That kind of, but that, I mean, that kind of became the catalyst for what came after it. I did end up admitted to a psychiatric unit for a few weeks. The first psychiatric unit I went in, and that really didn't feel like a place where I could talk about what was going on in my head. But I got transferred um, um, to the movement of the Trolls and I had a fantastic young nurse that I just clicked with and we sat and talked about stuff. And I was still sitting there going, I'm a guy that likes to cross dress. But we would just talk about it only, like if it was any big deal. She went and got me she tried to find out if there was any support networks or anything in the boot. Actually went and got me phone numbers for Susan Carr and Lindsay Miskow, who were the two main gender identity clinicians at that point in time. And Susan Carr was now retired, but she used to be in charge of the Sandford in Glasgow. And I just kind of went, well that's no me, but I've, I've took this information out. But that led to a, a conversation with my then wife and I said look we need to talk about this you know I've obviously reached the point where I almost killed myself so I think we need to talk about this she was like I wondered when this was going to come up so I left, I left the hospital and I think she tried to embrace it for the, probably for the first time um, you know she took me to my lab night I'll, I'll, help me buy some clays and I'm like, okay, this is good, I'm getting mere acceptance, let's see where this goes. 
and at the same time, that was the first time the internet had, had arrived, I think, a couple of years before that. But when I came out of the hospital, that was one of the other sites, it was like, I you can go on and, and do whatever you want. And I found, you know, trans support groups and chat groups and stuff like that. So I think for the first time in my life I was talking to other people that sounded like they were similar stuff going on inside it. And I'm like, oh, there's a whole world out there. Um, I just want to look like a normal woman. Never ever wanted to look like a guy dressed up. That was never what it was about. So I think the, the crooks came, I think it was one Easter. She was in holiday. Two weeks later, we decided it was finished. By the beginning of May, she'd moved out and the house went up for sale. And then things moved really quickly. And I sat there and I went, right, what do I do? And I went, okay, kid on, I'm a straight guy. And, and try and, you know, find a new relationship and we'll just do the exact same thing all over again. I went, past over what? Nearly killed me the last time. Ah, fuck it. We know what we're doing. We're going to transition. So I was dealing with a, a, I was dealing with a lawyer, obviously, for the, the sailor the house and the divorce. Um, so I just said to her, I went, I'm sorry, I changed my name or not. So she was like, yeah, fair enough, draw up all the papers and stuff. And I think I went down about a week later. First time I walked out the door and I was on a nice sunny day in the middle of the afternoon as me. And I walked out to the lawyer's office and she was like, wow, what's the expecting that? And I went, well, I've just completely changed my name, but didn't think it made sense to look like anything else. And she was like, ah, you, you know, you've got a point there. Um, and I'd, I was still seeing a psychiatrist as an outpatient for the time I'd been in the hospital. And I got to him and I says, can you refer me to a gender specialist? And he was like, ah, yeah, that, that's fine, can do that. Next time I seen him, I'd already transitioned. He hadn't managed to get me an appointment. I'd phoned up the sand for myself because I remembered I had these numbers for the hospital and they were like, it's fine, you can self-refer. Once you've had your first appointment, we'll contact your GP. Right, great. Appointment three months later. So I transitioned three months before. I was full-time at my work and everywhere else. Three months before, I actually saw a gender specialist and I just walked in the door and they're like, so what do you want us today? So I do, I, I do sometimes think that was a bit crazy because I'm just like, I just got on and did it. I wasn't waiting for anybody to tell me, like, oh, oh I actually think you're a woman, maybe you should transition. No, I figured out I am one. Like, let's just go. And then I, I think life got a bit interesting. Always, I find this kind of difficult to explain. And sometimes people read it as, so do you do to get transitioning? And I'm going, no, because a lot of times I'm saying my life has been infinitely harder since I transitioned than, than it was previously. Um, living as a guy, although ultimately I'd probably been dead if I 
kept trying to lose a guy. But for me, that wasn't about me. I felt better about me. Right? If, that, if that makes any sense, I felt better than myself. The struggles I was now having was because of the way the world group about me was treating me. I'd been involved doing activism and stuff doing south. Genuinely started because I would go somewhere and treat me like shit and I'm like, oh, no, this is not right. Let's see if we can change it. So I'd worked with a health board doing south, I'd worked with the council, uh, I was doing some work with Lancashire LGBT, ended up there, asked me to set up a, a trans support group down in Lancaster. But then my partner at that time wanted to go to university. And I'd always kind of wanted, I never felt like I left Scotland because I wanted to leave Scotland. So when she was getting university places and she'd been offered Glasgow, Edinburgh, Manchester and Lancaster, and I was like, can we go back to Scotland? I'd sat up the whole night on Indiref, praying that we voted to go independent. And I went, if we go independent, I'm fucking going back. Um, and then I ended up, when she got a chance to, to go to Edinburgh Uni, I went, I'm going back anyway. We never voted for it, I'm going back to help them get it the next time. Um, so, we, we stayed together for a couple of years after moving back up here and then that ended and I've been single for the last couple of years but, but I did a lot of groundwork when I first moved back up you know, I, I approached LGBT youth um, I approached Scottish trans eventually also approached LGBT health because I went right, I've been doing activism and stuff doing sales, you know can I, can I come and do some volunteer work for you and stuff? LGBT youth literally bit my hand off, wanted me to go through to Edinburgh and help them with the trans youth group. Did that for a year. Scottish trans also kind of bit my hand off and were like, well, we don't often get people turning up that already have experience of doing activism. Um, and I think after about a year of that, they offered me a, a sessional contract and I've been doing that on and off over the last few years. I worked with the transport in Glasgow for two years I think and then I went, ah, I don't want to do this anymore, there's, there's other stuff in my life. I tend to get, I always kind of reevaluate myself and I say right, what, what am I doing? Like my problem doing in England was I would go and do all this volunteer stuff and all that, but I never really had any friends. So I would have people that would go and see it work, there was loads of people I knew, but nobody would just go out for a coffee with or go out for a drink with any of that. So when I came up here, I'm going, I need to do something different. I need to mix, I need to find a balance between social stuff and... And obviously I, I, I got out into the volunteer stuff and that again, but I always had my head right. Still in my fifties, I need to figure out how to make friends for the first time in my life. Possibly, what am I going to do? Met a couple of people through the volunteer stuff, and I was doing. Uh, and I was like, I fancy going out somewhere. And then I, I decided to do an interview for my birthday, and I invited five people, four people or five people, and we went out and had a cracking night. 
And then the following year, I think I had 14 people out of us day out. And then last October, I had 16 people in my birthday night out and probably another 16 that couldn't make it for some reason. And I'm sat there going, I think I figured out how to make friends because I see my hubs all over the place too. And being in different places like even being a member of the SNP, for quite a while I was an active member. I, I looked up who the women's officer was in the local branch and it turned out she She'd been in the papers for being homophobic and stuff, and I'm like, right, well, I don't really feel like that's a good idea going there. Um, so I wasn't really active at all. And then it was somebody within the party had kind of set up a very small group of trans and non binary people, and we had like a kind of private group where we would talk about stuff. But that led us up to relaunch of Out for India. And I went, I'm going to stand for co-convener, or I'm going to stand for convener at that time as it was. And it's important to say we are a, a, an officially recognised group within the party. We have a seat on the National Executive Committee um, to represent LGBT plus members of the party. So I, that's, I think the rest of this history after that and uh, I I now find myself with MPs' phone numbers in my phone and, and you know, government ministers give me a hug when they meet me and I'm like, well, how did this happen? But I think it's, I think it's been a massively long journey, you know, over nearly 16 years now of slowly putting my life back together. And actually getting to a place where I do actually feel like I'm quite a productive person and I'm doing some really good things. You know, and I've, I've got a really good social network going about me that, that supports me to do that. I can do this on my own. You know, sounds mad being in your 50s and figuring out the value of friendships. I just I never knew how to make them. How do you do that? I think if you don't know who you are, then how how do you connect to people? So I think the more you can affirm up, and it sounds daft. I mean, I think often people look at, at trans people and think, "Well, if you've transitioned, you must have done a whole lot of figuring out who you are." Well, I at some level we did. For me, it's, it's kind of started for that point. It was figuring out I'm not a guy, I'm a woman. And then it was, so what kind of woman actually am I? We've never been able to think about this for the previous, you know, however many years. It was only after a transition I got to think, right, so, who am I? Right, doing everything, you know. Is there any hobbies I enjoy that I didn't think I was allowed to do before that? I'm allowed to do now and all this gender stereotype shit and then battling with that in my head and going hold on a minute, I still like watching action movies, I still like watching action movies, it make any difference. Still drive a big car because I like driving big cars, you know. I had a pal that gave their big car away to their sister and bought a wee tiny car because obviously women only drive wee tiny cars. You know? So it's, to me it was a whole, it's kind of letting go of stuff, it's, it's figuring out 
where society has been telling you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing and then start to figure out what you actually want to do and don't want to do. And that's a kind of never-ending journey. That's interesting. When I, when, I, when I first figured out it was a woman, I thought, oh, what does this mean? Women are supposed to be attracted to men, aren't they? Does that mean I'm supposed to be attracted to men? <laughs> Never thought of that before. I did say I was brought up in a very heterodontic society, that this is how, to me, this is how this stuff uh, messes you up. So when I did first go to the gender identity clinic, I, I identified as a, a straight woman. I fancy men, I'm a woman, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's happy. Um, then six months later, I ended up in a relationship with a woman and have to go back to the gender identity clinic quite happy. Oh, I'm in a relationship, things are going well. So how do you identify? Well, obviously I'm a lesbian then. What the fuck's that got to do with anything? But I was assuming she identified as a lesbian. Do you have sex? Fucking hell. And this is some of the questions you start to get around um, relationships as a trans person. But I did, I, I did go through a period of time where I went, oh, maybe I'm supposed to fancy guys. And then I, I, maybe I like a challenge, I don't know. So I have actually, I've, I've been on dates with guys and stuff like that. Um, and stuff. No, this is not work for me. Um, hysterically, the young lassie that, that had moved in with me a few years ago used to think it would be hilarious for me to get with a, a, a cis guy. And I'm like, why? She went, you're fucking ripping my part. I don't know what's happened. Why not? If you're expecting the, the wee woman to be at home with your dinner ready for you when you come in for work, <laughs> you got that wrong, didn't you? Um, so, I, so she just said this hilarious thought that I should actually um, go with a straight guy just to see how funny it would be. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not putting myself through that for that shit. Um, so even though I've, I've considered it at times and I've thought about it and I've questioned myself, I've only ever just fancied women, so... How have you found the lesbian community? <sighs> it's probably not as bad as it sounds. Uh, I definitely think there needs to be more work done within the LGBT community around how the trans fits in with the LGB. I think there certainly needs to be work done around gay guys and lesbians about um, relationships with trans people. I think there is a bit of an age thing. I mean, I've, I've found it in Lancaster there was a lesbian group that really weren't happy when a trans woman turned up. No, me actually. I was going to go try and educate them after that. But, um, I think I've only ever been with one woman about the same age as me. Apart from somebody I'm, I'm kind of sort of seeing at the moment is about the same age as me. But other than that, it's been younger lesbians who seem to be much more open and accepting of trans people. 
I do have I do have really good friends. Um, talked to somebody on Twitter the other day that wants to meet me. She's a, a feminist lesbian, sixty years old, and somebody else I work with in LGBT health, who's an older lesbian and, and totally trans inclusive. So they do exist, but I, I do think there's a mere general issue within. There's different levels here, and sometimes it. Sometimes it feels transphobic, whether it is or not. Because it's like, you know, be friends with you, know, the rest of it, but they would never think to, to have a relationship with you. And I'm going, well, what's that about? Like, I would never. And I ended up answering this question last night, and I'm like, why would you want to be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't have a baby? Like, that just sounds completely crazy to me, and I would hope everybody else. Um, why would you want to be with anybody that doesn't want to be with you? Um, but I do think there's something there that we need to talk about there, that we need to discuss. You know, when I'm when I'm using dating apps and stuff and I'm getting people matching with me and they'll message me and they're like, oh, you look gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. And, getting on and, and as soon as I find out I'm trans, boom, blah, they're gone. And I'm going, oh, so it was just the trans bit then. So what's that about? They got on with you everything else. So why... Why is that the deciding factor? And I would say that's, for me, that's where it kind of borders on, well, is this some kind of thing you've got just about trans people? Is that transphobia? You know what I mean? It's not about forcing people to be you that don't want to be you. It's just about identifying sometimes people have an issue just because you're trans. I mean, I think, I think there's still, I think there's still people who feel like their sexuality is questioned if if they're in a relationship with a trans person. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but that's your stuff to try and figure out. I mean, I think that quite often, you know, there's many experiences and the trans people end up, will date trans people because they don't have to deal with that, that kind of baggage on the outside, you know. We've reached the point where we literally don't care what body parts people have got. They're like, yeah, guy, right, okay, that's it, that's all you know, because I'm a gay guy, that works. Well, you're a woman, right, okay, fine. That's it, it's not any bigger than that. <laughs> right, okay, well, you're a lesbian, you're a gay guy, and I'm like, and, and I'm trans, and he's a trans guy, but we don't all know about each other and actually try and understand each other better about how, you know, what it's like to live as a gay guy or what it's like to live as a lesbian or some of the issues that trans people face. And that's how we, we understand. Instead of making an assumption that just because you're LGBT you know everything about the, the other groups within that, and you don't a lot of the time. So it's having the conversations and going, oh, what's life like for you? What kind of stuff do you face? There's usually a lot of similarities in what's going on for us. In the next episode, we hear the conclusion of Charlie and Michael's interview. The son interviewed me once and it took 45 minutes and I tried really hard and I held to my lines and a great interview actually and the person was totally personable on the end of the phone 
And on the Saturday morning, because it was going to be on Saturday, son said to my cousin, I need to go and get the papers. And I went and got the papers. And we were in various papers at that point. And uh, what the son had printed from the 45-minute interview was Charlie McMillan, chief executive of Face West, said, it's outrageous. Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Rainbow Activism. The series was organised by Pink Saltire, funded by the National Lottery Communities Fund Scotland, and special thanks to Our Story Scotland for archiving our interviews at the National Library of Scotland. To find out more or to get involved in similar projects, please visit pinksaltire.com.